Welcome everybody. Hi there. Hi. This is the hi Bo. This is the Transcendent Podcast. Uh, we are coming back again to talk about uh, some really, really interesting stuff. I think I actually don't know what we're here to talk about. Bo has kept it secret. Absolutely no clue. Um, my name is My name is Chris Maxwell. I'm the coordinator, uh, the communications coordinator for the American Association of Suicidology. Bo is the director of crisis intervention at the crisis center in Johnson County. Yes, that's me. We said things that were right. We, we did. So uh, maybe we do a little recap. Maybe we do a little recap just uh, explaining what the podcast is just very, very super quick. And we're not going to keep doing these, obviously. But um, really, we're here to talk about the intersection of uh, basically futurism and suicide prevention. What is suicide prevention going to look like uh, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line? especially in terms of how it intersects with technology, with different settings like being on Mars. I, I think that might still be a topic later on. I don't know. Um, we'll see. But you'll see as we go. You'll see as, we, as you listen along, if you're listening to this later, um, what we're kind of talking about. It's, it's not your typical discussion surrounding suicide prevention. What we're really trying to do is get people to, is to get people to think um, how they can take what they know about suicide prevention now and, and really start trying to turn it and warp it into something that is going to work for situations that we're, we're not even really even aware of possible of, of their possibilities at this point. Yeah. And that's why we call it transcendent. We believe suicide as a public health issue uh, transcends, you know, all other public health issues and is kind of an integral part of the, the human, of humanity. It will always it has always been with us and it may always be with us. And it uh, is something that we'll always continually have to address, which is what we're doing here. Exactly. We're addressing it. Um, and uh, another thing really quickly up front, um, and we, we discussed this last week as well. Um, we are, we are, we're potentially going to get into some weird conversations. They're going to yeah. be hypothetical, largely hypothetical conversations. So, so hypothetical. So hypothetical. Um, and we, we just want to be very clear that we're not trivial, trivializing anybody's experiences um, or personal emotions or anything like that. Um, we, Bo and I both have direct experience with suicide. We've been in, we've been suicide prevention professionals for dec a decade-ish. Um, so uh, we, like I said, we're not trying to make anyone feel bad. We're not judging. We're not doing anything like that. We're just having a conversation that is trying to broaden people's perspectives and horizons when it comes to suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. So um, now that that is all out of the way, Bo, I don't know if you wanna, if we wanna dive in yet, if you wanna set this up for us. Yeah, kinda. Um, so, you know, last week we talked about AI and, uh, you know, the idea does AI, could AI have thoughts of suicide? And is that an intrinsic part of what we believe is an autonomous being is that they have the ability to end their lives or have thoughts about that. What I wanted to do uh, today is introduce kind of an idea around that, um, kind of going from that. So that was talking about who we are, and let's now look even further ahead to who we could be, like how we define humanity. And I want to introduce the idea of transhumanism. And do you know what transhumanism is, Chris? I, I see, I'm, we may be jumping ahead a little too far, Oh yeah, because I'm not. I'm still not even quite sure who I am. Oh, well, you're Chris. Oh no, no, no. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, you're pretty I, cool. Okay. Are we pretty good cool. on that? Can we agree on that? Because because if I not, mean, there's a long road to hope. <laughs> <laughs> get, get ready. <laughs> that, should, that should that should just be my motto from now on. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So transhumanism. No, I don't know what that is. Uh, is there a way that you can describe it? Uh, explain it to me like I'm five. Okay. <laughs> That's really hard. Basically, transhumanism is the idea that human beings could evolve past what we know ourselves to be right now, fundamentally using perhaps like technology. Um, so an example is, could you clone yourself 
And if that person like had your exact memory put into that cloned body, that's an example of transhumanism is that we basically created this new person, but this new person is actually you. You've evolved into a new form. It's that cloned body. So this is essentially the singularity. Yeah, the tech, the tech singularity. Yeah, that's a that's a good. I mean, that goes down another road, but yeah. So transhumanism is the idea that we could take what fundamentally is our essence as a human being, which is generally, um, you know, our mind, our thoughts, our beliefs, or whatnot, and transpose them onto something else—a cloned body, a you know, a machine that has our mind in it. Um, and it's really, uh, it's it's very vague though, right? Because it's, it, we don't want to just limit things to just the mind, you know, we, it kind of goes in the idea of what a soul is. We're not going to go down that route too much, you know, mind and soul might be interchangeable here. Maybe it's not depending on your belief system. Consciousness. Um, for the, for the particulars of this conversation, we'd say that it's the mind. It's like the, the person's functions you know like how their memories their core way of uh, of dealing with things you know is that so, that's how we define it so consciousness consciousness yeah okay so that's what transhumanism is is whether or not we are completely tied to our mortal vessel or biological vessel or if there's a way to evolve beyond that using technology or some other thing almost always technology Okay, so this is so the transhumanism is essentially that point where um, where there's a there's an intersection with technology in some way that there is a transfer of human existence mm -hmm. into whatever this this entity of, of technology is, whether it's a computer or a robot or a car. Yep. Can I, I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to go, I want to go the car route. As soon as you said the word car, I was like, oh God, he wants to be a car, doesn't he? <laughs> and, and I know that you probably have seen Pixar's critically long Cars series. Yes. is really kind of a dystopian future of horrible things. But yeah, do you want to be a, do you want to be a car's car, Chris? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily need to have weird anthropomorphic eyes and. Well, how are you going to see? With my headlamps, but it's not—they're not going to be eyes. Okay, Why so headlamps, eyes. Not to go f too far down this tangent, but I mean, how are the headlamps work? Like, I just don't understand any of that. I—you're asking me to explain the the yeah. anatomy of Why, uh, how a cartoon do you, car that speaks. Neat, you know, do the do the planes who are also in that universe see them as subservient? I don't know, but we're going to spend the next 45 minutes figuring this out. <laughs> not, I promise you. Um, but anyway, and yeah. That's it. that's it for the entire podcast. Have a good night, everybody. Um, no, so let's, so let's go back. So basically say that you could take your consciousness and transfer it to some other vessel. A clone of yourself is kind of the most basic thing, maybe, because we like to think of biological going to biological, but you could transfer it into a robot. You could transfer it into an autonomous car. I don't care. Um, and that's My, the idea of transhumanism is, can we free our consciousness to the point where we don't have to be in any kind of vessel that like could naturally die that like we could, I mean, you get in the idea of functional immortality, you know, you could just constantly transfer your consciousness to new and new, newer and newer, you know, bodies. Right. So, so altered carbon, altered carbon was a, was a recent yeah. example of that. The Netflix series, altered carbon, um, again, mm -hmm. not endorsing them, um, or anything. And, it's a really interesting series. It has some decent acting. Um, the writing could use some help. But the point is um, that, that or, you know, the, the idea there was that uh, uh, prisoners would be sent away for a certain period of time as a as a like chunk of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then when they were released or put on parole or whatever, they were thrown into somebody else's body. And it would be, you know, they'd have to get used to all that. And something so so a couple things here that, that pop up as questions initially. And I know that at some point we're gonna we're gonna uh, dive into the suicide talk, but um, first of all, so like in this in this particular example, so when we're talking about transferring from a human to a human, 
how is that transhuman? How is that transhumanism? If you're still if you're still in a human a clone body, for instance, or even or even a clone. Like if it's if it's biologically a perfect clone, there's not an ounce of technology into it. That still counts as transhumanism. So it doesn't have to be. Yeah, because is that person you? I see. I, yeah, right. because okay. it's a separate body. And you know, but if it's if it's molecularly identical, which is impossible, but sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, but for, yeah, for all intents and purposes. Well, you know, that's and that gets into the. I mean, when you talk about the cloning aspect, that gets really into the fundamentals of like, who who are you? Are you just your body? If so, if you could put your mind in a clone body of yourself, would you consider that yourself? Or right. You so, so this is so this is the other part of that. So. When I'm thinking about who I am, it's not just um, you know, it's not just uh, what I know. It's not just the the pain that I experience or my emotions or um, you know any set of particular knowledge necessarily. But it also is is experiential, right? right. So there are things that are very specific to my body. Mm -hmm. that have you know the, the whole nature versus nurture thing this is like an interlocking of both is that you know i was born to be predisposed predisposed to certain um certain behaviors and those behaviors then have affected the way that my body has affected the way that my behavior and back and forth right we have right. that feedback loop and so even even emotionally and mentally there are a lot of things that have to do with my body that have informed the way that I see the world, that my consciousness have, has developed, that my ideologies have developed, all of this stuff. So, so that's what I'm saying is that maybe that, and I, and I, I have no idea what the actual academic argument is for for either side of transhumanism. Um, but that's that's what I can see as being a potential issue is that there's a lot to do with one's own. Um, self in terms of biological body outside of the consciousness aspect that could inform how, how the consciousness uh, perceives things, adapts to things, reacts to things. Right. Yeah. And, the you know, so uh, one of the more common questions is, is a person who's, say, quadriplegic cloned into their own body, but that body is not uh, paralyzed in any way. Is that the same person? Or is it, you know, different because they're now having different experiences than they would in the previous body, right? right. And right. there's no right or wrong answer to this because we can't do it yet. We don't really know. And it gets into very philosophical things. But when we start well, looking- Hold up, hold up, hold up. So so what happens if, um, so how, how does this fall on that line of, of the definition of transhumanism? So say a paraplegic person um, or someone that has lost the use of whichever limb um, or limbs um, receives a prosthetic that dramatically increases their ability to to uh, do whatever that you know whatever they weren't able to do effectively beforehand. Does that where does that fall on that line of, of transhumanism? Because that changes their but it's not it's that it, has, it doesn't have anything to do with their consciousness. Right. I mean, but does it? You know. I mean, it's really just how right. do you define consciousness, right? Because right. if we start getting to the ability where we can literally take what we consider our consciousness, our mind, our functional brain or whatever, and back it up into a computer system, is that consciousness part of us? Is it us, but separate from us? And so are we now two, you know, functionally similar things? Right. Yeah. Right. So th and then, like, let's let's dive into the suicide ramifications of that. Right. So hold on really quickly before we do that, because this is going to be important. But say we did do that. You just brought up something else that made me think. Okay. Say we do. Say we do take. We download a version of our consciousness. We back it up, right? And then the, the original version is out here bebopping around town. Mm -hmm. um, what if you did take that back up and you put it on, put it in a clone, and it mm -hmm. starts bebopping around town? I there's like a zero percent chance that both of those both of those entities are going to have the exact same experiences. Which is then going to potentially change their entire their not their entire consciousness, but it's going to inform their consciousness consciousnesses differently. Correctly, correct. 
this is getting difficult to, to yeah. verbalize. So, so are those two different beings, right? Because it's two right. separate consciousnesses that had the same you know, progenitor, but then just went in different paths. Basically, can consciousness branch? You know, can it be? Can it? Are are we as a society able to deal with something like that? Because mm -hmm. then, when you put the suicide lens on that, right? Say one of those consciousnesses goes out and uh, kills itself and the other one is still going around. Do we consider that a suicide? Because a consciousness ended, but the other consciousness is still out there. Are they the same person? What if that person had never actually had the backup been put into another clone or whatever, and it was still, so say your physical body died, but you're still backed up somewhere. Mm -hmm. Did you kill yourself? Is that a suicide? Is that a suicide that in this far future AAS cares about or anybody? So, yeah, right. So this is for anybody listening to the podcast later, my face is clearly just one of stunned silence because I, this is, this is, this is why I love Bo because he, he has these weird things just yeah. bouncing around up there. I, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me, but here I am. And now let's, we're let's parse this out because this is super complicated. This is sure. this is stuff that's going to be, I think, kind of different. If it's, and I'm not saying I'm I'm a genius or anything, but like this is stuff. I'm definitely not. Um, but this is stuff that I think about. I think, you know, pretty philosophically a lot of the time. So, and this is difficult for me. So. Um, Okay, so let's start with the first part of, of what you were talking about. Can you repeat that section? God, what the, oh, if the person, so say someone gets backed up, someone's yes. mind backed up into a computer and then gets uh, put into another vessel, maybe like a cloned body of the original person, a robot, you know, another different clone body, you know, whatever. Uh, and then one of those two consciousness that, originally came from the same place would mm -hmm. you could make valid claims that they're the same person so to speak if one of those consciousnesses kills themselves do we consider that a suicide okay <laughs> so, so is there a measure of like how different do they have to be before we consider them separate people Right, right. So that's what that's that's exactly where my brain went first. Was in the backup process. You know, I I I would imagine that even in the future, when we're talking about exact quote unquote exact copies, there are going to be instances where information has to be dilated or or even compressed in certain ways to make it fit in whatever whatever capacity whatever entity we're trying to fit it into so are is are there going to be data points that are lost is sure. there information that's that's potentially going to be lost and then so you do have this backup but it's been compressed right and then when you upload into something else it, it dilates out and now you've you've for all intents and purposes have a copy but there could be key memories there could be not even key memories there could just be memories that that weren't um you know identified as important or there weren't sensations that that had been encoded or certain things like that so now is that person identical yeah right it's so you know so, my, then, so then if that person if that person kills themselves um it, i mean i i think just the 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 term itself the way that, even the way that we describe what we're talking about um is still the same mm -hmm. because they're still an entity. They would still be uh, a, a form of consciousness. And so we don't, so for instance, we, you know, when we're talking about um, animals or, or even, even programs, sometimes we mention that they kill themselves, right? Like, oh, my, my computer killed itself or whatever. Um, so I think maybe it's a, maybe I'm being pedantic. Maybe there's a, a language issue. Um, but I think that if we, if we are describing an entity that has consciousness uh, dying from suicide, then I, ha I think we have to say that it's a form of suicide. 
Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, right? I also think that pretty much as soon as that's, that backup is made, uh, I feel that that's probably a separate entity, especially when it's put in another vessel. Uh, now, we don't know what the backups are like, right? I mean, it could just be inert and not have any, like, external stimulus. They could be living in some cool matrix world while they're waiting to be shunted out into the real world we don't know well let's just assume they're inert right so they start experiencing things immediately after being put into a new body right then that means that their experiences from that moment on that inflection point are very different and so that makes them a separate person but if that backup is solely used for uh so the, and this is the other kind of realm that yeah. i want to go down if that backup is solely used to back that specific person up in case of tragedy, say a suicide, then is that new backup or the, you know, say the body's cloned or they, you know, maybe in their will, they stipulate they want to be put back into a robot body with like an armored T-Rex. I don't know. That's what I want. I'll <laughs> say, okay. All right. Hold up. You made fun of my, my desire to become a car. Yeah. And, you went with armored T-Rex. Or a T-Rex like dinosaur. Let's not pigeonhole me based on just something that I said out loud that I've been dreaming about for years. Let's just move on <laughs> on the idea that I'm going to have a sexy robot body uh, and it's going to be badass and it's going to be tearing apart whatever future dystopia we live in. Um, but yeah, is that so if, if that backup is put into another body, is it like, first of all, did that person suicide? Right, because they still exist inside. So, so the question is: Did they suicide? Did they die from suicide? If there is a version of them that still exists, yeah, that can be easily just transferred into a clone or a new body or a new entity of some sort. Yeah, because then, and this is weird. This is where I have a disconnect in my own mind, right? Because if that backup is put into a different body. And then both entities are allowed to go out there on their own. I consider that two separate beings. But if one of those, but if that being ends its life and the backup is put into an equivalent body or a body stipulated by their will or whatever, I consider that the same being, even though I shouldn't, because it's a new mm -hmm. being based on the prior criteria. Right. Yeah. I so mean, by a lot. So, yeah. I mean, that. that Right? Yeah. I, yeah. Yes? But, uh, no? but because, I mean, you could, and what's interesting, if I put my crisis intervention hat on, my crisis center hat on, is I kind of thought about this all in just the context of, like, if we were to develop a, if we were doing risk assessment for a person in this far future, right, and we learned that they had, like, a foolproof backup of themselves, waiting to be just like, you know, right. put into a pre-clone body because this person is rich AF and can do that because I imagine no matter what, this will probably be an expensive procedure for a long time. But if they can do that, how does that affect my risk assessment? Because I'm like, oh, well, they're backed up. So even if this happens and they're thinking, I'm really going to kill myself, um, and for some reason they're not caring about their backup or whatever, uh, you know, and that kind of goes another part of the transhumanism thing is just how do you see your own backups? Do you see that as part of yourself? Would you see that as a as a functionally different being that you could interact with maybe or maybe not? You want it just there and just in case of tragedy. But would I would I consider that in my risk assessment, you know, like, oh, OK. Uh, right. Right. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Would that would that increase any in risk? Jeez. Jeez. My brain. In a risk assessment, uh, the the existence of a of a backup of consciousness would, for you, would that increase someone's risk, or would that decrease their risk and potentially influence the way that a crisis counselor would interact with that person? And I, I think it, no matter what, it would absolutely influence it. But it's just be it'd be interesting to me to see how crisis suicide prevention services deal with the whole idea of what a backup, you know, looks like. like. Like, it's just, because otherwise, I really like how you framed it. 
we could put them at higher risk for suicide because we know that they know they have a backup. And so they're like, why am I even attached to this mortal body? Like I could just kill myself and I'll be brought back either in the same body or in a different cool T-Rex robot body or whatever. But, but we put them at higher risk because we define what they're doing now to their current physical body as suicide. Mm -hmm. If we don't define that as suicide, then we immediately put them at, I would say, lower risk, you know, because their plan is to kill themselves and we don't think they can do it because they have this foolproof automated backup. Well, if we, if we, yeah, if we go that second route and they have this backup, then it wouldn't be suicide and they can do whatever they want. So that it would, that would dramatically influence the way that a crisis counselor would interact with that person. Right. I mean, they, they, you know, a crisis counselor would, would still be able to, or, or a therapist or whoever, whomever, right? Whoever, whoever they're reaching out to for support, it's going to dramatically influence that, that kind of interaction. And that like, I can be here to listen to what you're going through, but like, I'm really not concerned for your physical safety because you got a backup in the closet. Yeah, you got a backup, right? And it, and also, I mean, we don't have to go far down this route, but it's going to change the language that we use. I mean, we're eventually going to have to talk crazy or in the future, it won't sound crazy, but we'll be like, it be, might be part of the risk assessment. Are you backed up anyone? Right? <laughs> that, becomes, yeah. that becomes so commonplace that we might literally have to ask like, right, do you have backups? Do you, do you have access to those backups? Uh, you know, Altered Carbon, you know, you mentioned it, a wonderful Netflix series, but hokey at places, but uh, there's a character there whose backups are in like a uh, satellite orbiting one of the moons of Saturn or something like that, yeah. and it's beamed twice a day and nobody, including himself, can like access it or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it gets beamed to a clone body as soon as he dies. And it's it's super fascinating. So like, what yeah. if you were rich enough to do that? Or what if you didn't have to be rich because we get to the point in society where everyone could do that and everyone could back themselves up to the point where they don't have to worry about their physical form? Mm -hmm. The language, yeah. When when we when we finally reach that socialist utopia, um, yeah. uh, that one was from Bart Andrews. So the the language that you just used uh, about whether or not you know whether or not you have access to your backup mm -hmm. um, or something like that 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 you know seriously reminded me about how we talk about things like mean safety. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of someone's access to firearms or someone's access to, to medication, prescription medication. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, it becomes a, it becomes a, a, a question of, in terms of the risk assessment, where does that lie and how does that influence? That may be, see, that might be the, the best route in terms of a, a crisis situation or even, a, even in a therapeutic situation is saying, do you have a backup? Do you have access to it? And then how does that influence your current emotional state? Like when was the last time that you thought about your backup uh, in, in terms of how you were suicidal? Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, one of the things that I wanted to back yourself up at your happiest moments. Right. And we can envision that being the case. Like, oh, I'm really great right now. I should back myself up. And then you always come back at your happiest moment. Or what if you were able to talk to your happiest backup when you were like really depressed? Oh God, no. Yeah. No. Like, are those are you still the same person when you're happy when you're sad? We right now we define yes, but what if you're only constantly bringing yourself back at your happiest moment? I don't really know what I'm going for there, but it's just, it's this thing that's been no, no, no. I, in the back of my yeah, mind no, I think that's, forever. That's, that's a really interesting way to put it. So, you know, and the, the first thing I thought of was, uh, you know, how we interact with social media. Right. Um, which for most, for most people, for most people, because there are a lot of people who use it as a way to, to, um, lower their, lower the, the their communities, uh, experience of prejudice and discrimination by showing that this is something that everybody goes through depression or mental health issues or whatever the case is mm -hmm. so i would say most people use social media in a way that highlights the positives the successes 
the bright points in one's life. So basically what you'd be saying is, you know, uh, I, I had a, a 500 like day. Uh, I'm going to back up that day. I'm going to mm-hmm. back up that moment, not even that day, but that moment, mm-hmm. that snapshot. And that's where I'm going to start off next time. Right. Not, not necessarily recognizing that where you, where you are now mm-hmm. is still on that timeline after that, that snapshot. And I mean, we can easily picture, and we're going to talk about this kind of throughout, I mean, we're already a half hour in, but whatever. I mean, we can easily picture like a for-profit or like just a company being like, you know, we, we're going to back you up at your happiest time so that whenever you're brought back, you know, you'll always be brought back at your happiest moment. And then we can give you guidance to try to stay happy. And we can develop plans like say we've we've backed you up four times and consistently four times you've like shown mm-hmm. the pattern of going to less happy, you know, um, and, and that's data that we can track and we can try to do something about it. That's absolutely something that could happen. Um, and, and then the, you know, they could potentially uh, you know, through whatever algorithm that is developed, they can say, uh, you know, because of that trajectory that you've repeatedly uh, experienced, uh, kind of like a clippy for uh, human consciousness backups. Like, it looks like you're trying to be happy. Uh, we would suggest you back up at X point in your in your timeline. Right. Yeah. And right. It's also, I mean, and then that we get into the fundamental idea of what does that future look like for like suicide prevention? Because and it and it really goes back to and I, I don't think we spent a lot of time on this. How do you view these backups of yourself? Because you could say, well, I'm really unhappy, but I don't that backup like kind of going on what you were talking about last week with uh, theory of the mind, like that backup is me, but they're not me. I, I can project onto them consciousness because I know that they are going to be like me or whatever, but they're not me. And I'm still in, you know, a lot of mental pain right now. And so I'm going to kill myself and I don't care what my backup does. And there's, and there's a chance that they could be happy, but it really doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but do we consider that suicide? And I think we, that one. I think that one specifically would be a. So now we're on, now we're on a different. Now we're we have like three separate questions here, three separate potential definitions of what transhuman suicide would would look like, and this one specifically centers around motivation. Right. The motivation for a suicide, and if if what it what it's saying is. A complete lack of of caring, so a, a complete sense of apathy of one's own safety, but also one's backup. Right. So here's a here's a question that I'm that I'm that you just made me think of is that if if a uh, if a person that has a backup uh, dies from suicide and then gets like what happens to that consciousness? Is it just weep and then the new backup? has no recollection of that event? No, I, I assume when I say backup that it, oh, yeah, I mean, the backup wouldn't have any recollection of any events after it was backed up, unless right. you have a way of doing that, like constant backups, I guess, right? And we're using terminology that might not even, right. I mean, there's new ways of computing with like quantum crap or whatever that like, I mean, it could right. be. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get a baseline uh, of of how to think about this, right? Because I think a, a part of a part of what we're talking about relies on the fact that if if one person dies has a backup, that their backup won't have that memory of the of the suicide. One version of what we're talking about would have that knowledge. Um, so there might be there might be some sense of like if if there's separate people in that gap area, like if there is a gap, if there isn't. If it's a stream of stream of consciousness, literally, mm-hmm. that doesn't get interrupted with a with a physical suicide, then that could potentially change our our perspective of whether or not these are two separate people, two separate entities. Yeah, and I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be a hard sell 
to like if someone was really in the in the midst of extreme suicidal ideation to be like we should back you up now you know like because they're just going to be brought back and i assume they're going like what would would we show them like videos of people crying over them dying like like i don't know like we're not going to do that because we don't really engage in shaming tactics in the suicide prevention world um, but we don't engage in a lot of things that like might be different 2000 years from now. Right. Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's also the idea of like, say someone has, uh, a debility. If someone deletes their own backup, is that a, is that a suicide? Or is it a homicide? Yeah. Or is it a homicide? But is it a, is it a action towards suicide? You know, it's, I don't know. We're getting into, you know, a lot of stuff here that, It's just, but I do, to put a cap on this a little bit, I do firmly believe that this kind of future is probably coming unless there's just something that's going to prevent the idea of consciousness transfer from really like happening. Kind of like when we were talking last week with about AI development, like this, this is probably coming. AI is probably closer than transhumanism, but this, this will eventually happen. And the suicide prevention world is going to really have to try to figure out what is a suicide in that kind of world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I think obviously the biggest the biggest barriers to something like transhumanism, transhumanism are, are going to be like data storage, data uh, encoding, all of that kind of stuff. Because I would imagine a consciousness would have a massive, massive amount of data and data sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, Altered Carbon had it in these little like, Stack vile looking things in the back of, of someone's neck, and it's like, nah, or it was like a disc, right? Like, yeah, so, um, just pop your CD in, uh, and you're good to go. So, yeah, I think that's going to be an issue, and I think, I think beyond that, like you said, the, the definition part is good, and this is, I think, this is something that really interests me, um, you know, and this is something that, again, you know, April Foreman has talked about quite a bit in terms of ethics and how we define these things is really, really super important, not necessarily for now, but we need to be prepared decades in advance. We need to have this stuff ready to go so when technology does catch up to our imaginations, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, it seems silly to go you know, to an ethics board and say, you know, or like a, uh, an IRB even and say like, we should have rules around surrounding suicide and transhumanism. Mm-hmm. But does it? Like, is it silly? Really? Because there's a chance that at some point this is going to be an issue and isn't it better to be preemptive uh, than reactive like we have been with everything else in terms of suicide and technology? Yeah. Um, my example that I gave to someone this weekend was, you know, in terms of the conversations that you and I are going to be having is, and especially when it comes to ethics, um, in consideration of ethical guidelines and all that, and, and this is a, a very um, you know relevant example for and a very topical example for right now in terms of Facebook, and when Zuckerberg um, invented it, he could not have he could conceivably not have had any um, any idea that. Uh, other foreign nations would use it to potentially um, influence national elections or national referendums or, you know, motivate other people to do things differently. Or he, he, there's no way that he could have possibly um, preempted that when he created it. Right. You know, a couple of years ago, whatever, who knows, that's probably, you know, that's probably more likely. And mm-hmm. we probably should have been having these conversations two or three or four or five years ago, whatever. But when he created it, that wasn't that wasn't in his that wasn't even in uh, a possibility in his brain. Right. So so these are things that as we start seeing burgeoning technology and as we start seeing, I mean, like think about how the the um, the FAA has had to deal with drones. Right. Yeah. Drones started becoming more popular. So all these little things that you know, these these increases in these these uh, increasingly sporadic. blooms of technology as these are happening we need to be taking into consideration every potential ethical aspect otherwise we're going to keep finding ourselves in these catch-up areas Mm -hmm. 
And I th- and I think as a as a field will be increasingly more. I don't want to say. Well, yeah, I'll just say divided. Like I think there will be divisions because I think one of the points of this whole podcast is going to be like that there are philosophical issues surrounding suicide that probably for the past, I want to say hundred years, we've already, we've come to the consensus suicide is wrong and we're going to do everything we can to prevent it. Um, But, and we've kind of gotten away from the philosophy side of things, but technological changes will make it so that we have to once again, embrace these philosophical discussions we have to redefine what suicide is which we haven't had to do for a long time and the closest we've come with that is the medically assisted suicide which is one of the most divisive things in the suicide field and it's really like and it's it compared to the stuff we're talking about today it's relatively small potatoes i mean you know or at least i think so not not to say that anybody has that has gone through a scenario like that, you know, that no. was a, a small a small issue. And uh, shameless plug, you can go to suicidology suicidology.org, easy for me to say, um, and check out our um, our statement uh, paper on um, physician aid and dying, mm-hmm. um, and and suicide and how it relates to suicide. Um, but no, that's a, that's a really, really great point. I meant small potatoes in that that's, that's a know, very yeah. specific population. It's one we should definitely address and we should definitely like keep exploring. But the transhumanism will get to the point where everyone can be backed yeah. up. And then we have to have these philosophical, philosophical discussions about everybody. That's a really, really good point. So, so suicide by itself is already a low base rate event. In terms of deaths uh, and rates and all of this kind of stuff, it's a it's a relatively low number of, of the population. It's it's a traumatic experience and it affects each suicide affects over a hundred people, hundred and twenty five more likely, potentially more. Not to say that it's not an incredibly terrible terrible event anytime suicide happens, but in statistical terms, it's a low base rate event. Now, when you take physician aid and dying. That's even a smaller base rate event, right? That's what you're saying. That's what you meant by small potatoes. Yeah. And what you're talking about in terms of transhumanism is that once that becomes a widespread capability, once everybody starts having this ability to, to create our own brain CD, um, then then it's it's going to potentially increase that rate at a scale that we've never seen before, mm-hmm. because there's there's a potential that somebody um, is, is, is thinking about suicide or isn't, um, and, and jumps off of a building or I'm not going to talk about other methods, but you know what I mean? Like they, they die from suicide in a way that, that they aren't necessarily thinking that is, it's a huge deal because they have their brain CD. So this is, and now it's, now it's, you know, right. So we also do say that, you know, um, and no one's immune from suicide. Right. Um, which is certainly the case currently. But when you potentially give someone a backup plan, like a backup entity, a backup life, I would suspect, and I think this is what you're saying, I would suspect that that would dramatically increase the potential for suicide. If we define suicide as any one copy. Right. right, Which I, I, I very much believe that'll be one of the, the biggest conversations we have to have because the corollary to this i'm just i'm going to force us in this direction because i really want to talk about it before we end corollary to this is say this technology gets so easy to do that anyone could be backed up at any point then you could make the case or any government can make the case hey suicide's a public health problem but now we can end it you're mandated that you're going to back yourself up and if you ever suicide we'll just bring you back and there, we've solved suicide as a public oh, problem. God, that totally seems like something. That and, then, and this actually, I was introduced to trans. This is me nerding out. So our one viewer that I see here, you can just tune out. <laughs> um, but uh, I was introduced to transhumanism through a tabletop game called Eclipse Phase, which is a really messed up game about like sending your consciousness into other bodies and splitting yourself off and stuff like that. And one of its things that it addressed as like a potential scenario for players to have to deal with 
is that you could try to kill yourself and then you're without like your consent you would be backed up your backup would be put into another body and you would have to continue to live to like say pay off a debt or like continue a prison term or punishment of some kind so, right. so you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't use it as a way out of responsibility so you suicide if we def if we use that one definition of suicide where the backup yeah. is yourself um and so that and that's scary to me but then it also puts me in this place of because you know and to go why it's scary is that if you talk to a lot of the people in our lived experience community they talk about the idea of wanting to have their own autonomy and not nobody likes to be put into these bureaucratic systems beyond their control. We talk about how hospitalization is not the best place for a lot of people who have suicide thoughts or intent, um, and that that lack of control can be very traumatic. Well, this is taking lack of control to an even higher. Yeah. Well, and I think what you pointed out in terms of the bureaucracy too, that. You know, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to necessarily say anything derogatory about our about our government because I would never do that. No, but, but I do, but I, but I do understand that in a lot of a lot of situations and a lot of governmental agencies, it's very, very important to show outcomes, and it's very important to show that you have crossed your T's and dotted your I's and checked your boxes, and 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 when it comes to a public health crisis as big as, uh, you know, uh, suicide is. And if we had the technology to do that, mm -hmm. I, I certainly couldn't see that as, you know, an impossibility. Yeah. That seems like it, that seems like it, honestly, that, that I could see a lot of people, um, saying that that's a justifiable use of the technology. Especially when you throw in, the government could easily say we're doing this because we need your backup in case of accidental death. Right. But even if they weren't, even if they were explicitly saying we have solved yeah. the scourge of suicide because now everybody has a backup. And if you do die from suicide, we'll just bring you back. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that, and I would assume that just like it is now when, when in a lot of cases, when someone goes to an emergency department when they're in crisis, they're, you know, uh, kept for 24, 48 hours and put back into their environment, which was where they were at, you know, when they had a crisis. So really nothing's solved. They aren't, they aren't necessarily, and we're, and we're, we have programs to work on it. I'm getting in a tangent, but that's what I'm saying is that like, that's, that's where I can see that going is, okay, you're, you're brought back, but now you're in your same scenario. Just don't, Kill yourself again, or we'll bring you. Yeah. We'll just continue to bring you back. Yeah, I mean that whole process of being brought back. We don't really actually talk about that much on this podcast, but like, I mean, that in itself, like, what information are you given access to? Are you told that you killed yourself? Are you not told? I mean, I imagine with the amount of freedom of data that is probably out there in the future, you'd find out no matter what. Right. But uh, are you given like counseling, even though your backup? might have been at a time where you didn't feel you needed counseling at all. Um, you know, so, the, I mean, there's that issue. There's the idea of, you know, do you have any say in this? Are you allowed to tell the government, I don't like right. you delete my backup? Because they're probably going to say no, and they're probably going to use that as like, oh, that's a risk factor for suicide now. This person wants their backup deleted. It's a, well, see, yeah, no, I mean, I, and it, you, what you're talking about is whether or not it's going to be an opt-in or an opt-out kind of quote-unquote service right. and whether or not uh, mandatory participation in a program like this would be a, you know, seen as a feature rather than a bug. Um, and, and I can see, honestly, I can see that going along a, a different a couple of ways. I, I can see that if it turns out, you know, that the, uh, and I, I honestly don't think that a government, ours or another country's government, would would pose this in a malicious way. I don't think anybody would probably do this in a way that says this is a punitive uh, program. We're we're punishing you by keeping you alive. Mm -hmm. I think it's more. I think it would be justified more in a noble way, 
in a preventative way and a public health success. Right. Um, that saves X millions of dollars a year because we don't have loss of life in the workforce and we don't have, um, you know, 125 people affected by every suicide. You know, I can see, I can see a lot of statistical justification for this that would make it a huge public health success. But then you have those people who would be, yeah, like you're saying, that would be like, well, I'm not suicidal. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't plan on being there. I don't, I don't see myself being there. I don't expect my life to go that way. But even if it were, I would like to have that autonomy. Um, just as I, you know, have the same autonomy to take over, over the counter prescription or over the counter medication if I get sick or I, or I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I, and I, I still have the potential to spread the flu or a cold. But you weren't mandating that I take flu or cold medicine, understanding that the flu and the cold are completely different than suicide. But you see what I'm saying is that, yeah, there's that autonomy piece. And I know, I I mean, personally, as an attempt survivor, when you were talking about when you first brought up this topic and you're like, oh, the government could mandate uh, that we bring it. I got terrified. I got terrified. And I'm not even, you know, I'm not even necessarily... uh, terrified of, of some I'm not I'm not paranoid of, of some government entity or anything like that but that idea that loss of autonomy um, is not a pleasant thing to think about right and it and that's why I like this topic after last week's topic right because I think it does if you literally had the power of suicide taken away from you right I mean is that it, you know, we talked last week about whether or not suicide or the ability to have suicide thoughts is a fundamental part of humanity, of being a human being, because we always use the language, you know, no one's uh, like immune from suicide or mm-hmm. what, you know, but I mean, if we were, like, do we lose part of ourselves by being able to, to, to do this as a society? I mean, and that's where transhumanism comes in is you know there'd be a whole bunch of people say no this is just the next evolution of our species mm-hmm. is in functional immortality until like the sun explodes or whatever right. um, and uh and you know and that we would just kind of culturally evolve to just we don't think about suicide anymore because it's not something that we can do so you know but then you know, say we solve suicide before we solve clinical depression, right? So we're just like, oh, you're just going to be miserable forever because you are not, res- you're resistant to medication and all that fun stuff. But we're going to keep spinning sure. you back up because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, or any, any, any number of, of factors that potentially lead someone to suicide. I mean, literally, there are a lot. I was about to say an infinite number, and that may or may not be the case of factors that lead someone to to think about suicide, of of intermingling factors. Whether it's you know think about adverse childhood experiences, ACEs. Um, there's there are quite a few of those that you would have to eliminate. Um, that you would have to, like you said, eliminate depression. You'd have to eliminate financial issues. You'd have to eliminate relationship issues. There's a lot of things that you would have to address first if you were to say that you, well, and you can say we we have effectively ended suicide, but you would not ever, I don't think, be able to say we've ended uh, a person's ability to think of suicide. And even what you're saying, even like a thousand years after the ability is taken away, whether the culture changes or not, I'd be be very suspect of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we we got it. I th- we think I think we came to some really strong rock solid conclusions. <laughs> I don't think we figured anything out. No, we don't. We don't have any idea. Um, we all of these futures we talk about are scary, but yeah. um, but I do, you know. To kind of put a to tie a knot on all of this is that you know the suicide prevention field operates under a lot of assumptions, and you know, and sometimes I don't think we give ourselves credit enough for how flexible we can be. 
Um, you know, I think medically assisted suicide has been a good example of that. It's really one of the few philosophical examples that we have right now to play with is, you know, is this suicide or not? You know, the uh, uh, suicide uh, philosophy academic Maria Howard, I promised her I would mention her on this podcast. So I did because we literally just talked yesterday, uh, was talking about the idea of uh, using the term like self-euthanization instead. Um, but people don't like the term euthanize, even though it's a perfectly cromulent word. But people don't like it. It's, it's, a, it's a triggering word sometimes. But, you know, using that instead of medically assisted, you know, suicide or anything like that. You know what word triggers me? What? Cromulent. Cromulent? You know, it's a Simpsons reference. Do you not like those? It sort of rustles my jimmies. Okay. So, well, I'm so sorry. That's, no, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, this is this is definitely the, the important stuff that, that we need to be looking at. Um, and the suicide prevention field is full of very, very smart, intelligent, flexible people right. um, that I think if we just, if we keep thinking ahead instead of yesterday or 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we even now are looking at a lot of the successes in public health for help um, on how to, how to combat suicide. We're looking at the AIDS and HIV crisis. Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, cancer and organizations that popped up around breast cancer and those kinds of things for some sort of inspiration mm-hmm. as to how we can, on a public health scale, attack suicide. And I, you know, what we see over and over again, and what we keep saying over and over again is we need more research and we need more money. Um, we need more federal dollars. We need more state dollars and we need more regional dollars um, because suicide prevention and suicide intervention is not funded appropriately. Right. But the other side of that is, it's not. It's, if it's not funded appropriately now, then how the heck are we going to be able to to address this stuff in twenty years? Exactly. Yep. Did, Sir, we, did we nail it? We do. I think we did. You know, I mean, I I feel great. About so let's sum up. Uh, you want to be you want to be a uh, uh, armored. T-Rex. Yeah, or like maybe a T-Rex but with larger arms because I'm starting to think I might still want to like lift things now and then, right? You know, I I learned recently okay. that an Allosaurus has longer arms than a T-Rex. It's a little smaller, but it's more it's got more dexterity. I mean, it's like its dexterity is probably a plus 4. Yeah. You know, T-Rex is like a plus 1. Yeah, that's not dexterity at all. That's, I, I mean, you're just saying crap that you know nothing about. <laughs> that's an empty glass you're drinking from. It. Uh, so, right, to go back, to sum up, you want to be a T-Rex, I want to be a car. Mm-hmm. Um, can we, can we uh, transfer our our consciousnesses into separate entities that is debatable. I mean, obviously it's not possible now, but is it, is it possible in the future? And if it is, does that make those separate consciousnesses different people? Yep. And if one of them dies uh, by their own hand, is it considered suicide if they have a backup? There's a lot of things to think about here, a lot of ethical questions that we need to be thinking about. And these are all, I also want to point this out too. A lot of these thought thought experiments can be used to address certain things now. Yeah. To address the way that certain the, the way that certain people are going through different situations, experiencing things. I mean, that's why I love the I was really especially excited to talk about this topic because as far as future as it is, I think it really is informed by some of the things we're seeing in our field now. I mean, especially with the the talk of autonomy. And just how much control are you allowed to have over yourself? I mean, we've had very, especially on the AAS listserv, but just in general, we've had very, uh, very uh, big discussions about like the idea of, uh, you know, active interventions and welfare checks and whatnot and what that looks like for the person that we're trying to help and whether or not that's helpful or not. And, you know, research is still being done on that. So there's that, there's the whole idea of what makes a human being a human being. And then, you know, then that really leads into what is a suicide? Um, and I, I, I'm excited about the idea that our 
our idea of what a suicide is could fundamentally change, maybe not in my lifetime, but it could, you know. Um, but it's also, uh, it's just also hyper relevant because again, the whole reason we do this podcast is that we have a very present focused lens for suicide, which is fair, right? I mean, you know, no one's going to listen to this podcast like, well, I have a great idea for solving the suicide problem now, you know, but, um, but we, but I think everything that we talk about in the far future is informative stuff that we do today. Uh, and like you said, I think we can take that futurist lens and try to look at, you know, why are we having the, these discussions right now? And what, what more could we start talking about? So one, one thing I want to leave off with, because you just made me think of this as well, is that, you know, when we look at numbers, just when we talked about low base rates and, and statistics earlier, but, and, and, and again, one of, one of my favorite quotes from Jerry Reed is that behind every statistic, there's a tier. Um, Jerry, Jerry Reed was over at the Suicide Prevention Resource Center. Um, he's at EDC now. So um, when, I, when I'm talking about statistics and, and most low base rates, and I understand that the, those, are, those are encompassed by, by real lives and, and real people. But when we're, when we're looking at those, those levels of statistics, um, if you look at the numbers of deaths by suicide in the United States, we had 45, 46,000 last year. And we had 1.3, 1.4 million attempts last year. And so when we're looking at things like transhumanism, what we, what we talked about earlier is that we could potentially prevent the, the low number, but we're not looking at preventing that high 1.3 million, 1.4 million of attempts. And we're not preventing the 5 million people or 6 million or 30 million people who have thoughts of suicide every year. We're not preventing those thoughts. We're not preventing those attempts. We're, you know, if, if we're in this transhumanism thought experiment, we're preventing the, the low number. Mm-hmm. So in this thought experiment, that doesn't necessarily seem to work very well. And I'm wondering if in present time, if looking at some of these other numbers might help us inform some of our strategies for, for you know, reacting to this in a public health scale right if that makes any sense at all it kind of did to me um okay. it always, it always comes, for me at least for these past two weeks it always comes step back to autonomy right and mm-hmm. and where our focus is and, and you know we're like you said we're trying to prevent suicides but do we also want to prevent any kind of suicide thought or is it because you know probably not Right. And I think that's where the field is going to have to have this, you know, come to whatever moment. Uh, I mean, maybe even before we get to the point where we can just directly transfer our consciousness to wherever we want. But especially at that point, we have to be like, okay, like now that it's out of the question, do we like where do we put our resources? You know, and I think where where on the spectrum. Yeah. Where on the spectrum of, you know, suicide whether it's from thought to um, decent attempt at an action or an, uh, a legitimate attempt, not that there's an illegitimate type of attempt, but an attempt versus a death, where on that spectrum do we, do we shove our resources into? Right. Because, yeah. because if, if current funding situations continue to exist, we're not going to have enough to put you know, walls at, at different levels of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to choose somewhere on that line. So where does that happen? So so you could, we could, inv- and sorry, we're going over, but, well, we never actually said we had a time limit, so you listen as long <laughs> as you want. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we could envision a future, right, where agencies like AAS, uh, organizations like AAS and, you know, local crisis centers, like just any any of those folk, the large national organizations, they could be put in the spot where they might be pushing for this national worldwide database of consciousness backup to end suicide, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's ending suicide and that's what a lot of missions are. Or they have to figure out that's not what we consider ending suicide. And we have to go back to the philosophical roots of what is a suicide, 
what is humanity, what is a being, what is consciousness or whatnot, and kind of embracing that philo philosophical side of things, which a lot of people hate to do because it's a giant headache. And uh, as much as I love philosophy, like you will just have answers that are either incomplete, vague, or doesn't fit everyone's worldview. And that's and that's what's interesting. If you go back and you start looking at, at some of the original texts uh, on suicide, uh, whether it's you know way way ancient kind of texts or even back um, you know a few decades um, or a few hundred years or whatever, if you start looking at Emil Durkheim, if you look at some of the more recent stuff, there's always little bits and pieces that don't seem to fit. And it's all growth and it's all an evolution of the philosophy, uh, which is really, it's, it's, it's interesting to be in a science where we're able to watch that evolution in real time and in such dramatic steps. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's always going to be a scenario where we're going to have to say, this doesn't work anymore. We have to, we have to go back and figure out if, if any of these parts of the current theories uh, work and if so, which ones? And if if we figure out which ones, how do they fit into our current reality? So yeah, we need to we need to stay we need to stay frosty, as they say. Yeah, and that's why we're doing this. <laughs> it was, was you just your consummate professionalism. Your your incredible amount of confidence in saying that. I wore a shirt with buttons today. That's, Good Lord. That's my professionalism. We should end this. We should. We're done. Uh, okay. So thanks, everyone, uh, for viewing right now or for listening later. Um, we hope you found it interesting. Um, and uh, I don't have any teases for the topic next time, but I'm sure it's going to be a good one. I hope so, and I hope I don't know what it is. Uh, and I'm, if, it, if it's anything like this week, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely speechless for a majority of it. Yeah, um, well, you talked a lot, actually. That's nice. A lot, a lot. That's that's nice. <laughs> uh, anybody who is listening later, um, feel free to subscribe on iTunes. We're working on getting the podcast up on uh, some of the other podcast uh, platforms. Feel free to comment, like, subscribe, whatever you can do on those things. Um, and then also go and visit suicidology.org. Um, become a member if it's something that you're interested in. Um, we offer a lot of really cool benefits, so go check it out. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.